This is KOOP HD1 HD3 Hornsby. Welcome to the Austin Chronicle Show. My name's Robert Ferris. I'm the arts editor of the Austin Chronicle, Austin's independent source of news and culture reporting since 1981. I'm sitting in for your regular host, Kim Jones, as she fulfills some of her other duties as editor-in-chief. Here in Austin, we're in the thick of fall festival season. Earlier this month, music fans got their fill at the ACL Music Fest in Zilker Park. This week, it's time for fans of the cinema to get a load of new releases and meet the artists who made them at the Austin Film Festival. There's information available at our special AFF page at austinchronicle.com, where we have news and previews. And Lights Camera Austin right here on Co-op has interviews with local filmmakers spotlighted in the fest. But on today's Austin Chronicle show, we'll be focusing on books. As the Texas Book Festival gets underway at the Texas State Capitol and surrounding environs, Saturday and Sunday. With me today to get a handle on this Texas-sized literary event, we're talking 300 authors in attendance, is Rosalind Ferris, who covers books for the Chronicle. And no, you didn't hear a mistake in that last name. Rosalind and I have a little relation. She is my daughter. Welcome to the show, Rosalind. Thanks for joining us. Hi, I'm happy to be here. (laughs) You've been hitting the books, so to speak, pretty hard this year and have read a number of books by authors attending this year's festival. Tell me about someone that Austin readers should know better. Uh, well, the the book I finished most recently is uh, Mostly Dead Things by Kristen Arnett. Well, um, that's, that's an ominous title. <laughs> well, it's an appropriate one given that uh, the family at the center of the novel is a are, are taxidermists. Oh. Um, yeah, it, it the story follows a, a a adult the adult daughter of the family who has recently inherited her father's um, taxidermy shop, and. Uh, it becomes kind of the the means by which she grows from being a very closed off person who who is um, more comfortable with with environments that she can shape and and freeze in place as a taxidermist and learning to kind of open up to her, her family and and move past this very traumatic first love of her life. Right. And what made this a special book for you? What what has it lingering in your mind? Well, first of all, just the the texture of the book, honestly. Uh, <laughs> I think in any other place in the U.S., it would be too uh, too late in the year to, to, to really lean into Mostly Dead Things because it is so much about living in Florida um, and all of the humidity and decay uh-huh. <laughs> almost that comes with that. Sure. But it, but from a very loving point of view, honestly, um, there's so many times where uh, Arnett, the author, she she's able to capture the texture of living in that that heat and that humidity, um, the feeling of 
a uh, a beer can label sweating off in the heat in your hand. And oh getting... yeah, that's that's something yeah. <laughs> Texans can really relate to. Uh, so it was just remarkable to me how much she puts you in that environment without any judgment. I mean, I think it's very easy to, especially right off Florida, as you know, Florida man does <laughs> X crime. Exactly. Um, but she. It, it clearly is, comes from such a place of love for the author, and that bleeds into uh, the book and, and, and makes it feel so rich without feeling, you know, over overwrought in a kind of Victorian sense. Sure, um, sure. You know, those details never get in the way of the story and, and this the real tender humanity of it, but, uh, but it also, you're, you're in it. Um, so yeah. that's great. Kristen Arnett. Yes, Kristen okay. Arnett, Mostly Dead Things. Um, one of the hallmarks of the festival is the attendance by authors of national importance. So this year, for instance, we've got the great legal uh, fiction writer, John Grisham. We have the thinker, Malcolm Gladwell. And we even have a Supreme Court justice, Sonia Sotomayor, who's doing a children's book. She's, that's the, sort of a side gig of hers. Um <laughs> I expect that you're familiar with some up-and-coming writers who have also been making a national splash. Well, I'm very excited. Um, I'm a personal devotee of uh, Reese Witherspoon, and there are actually four writers who have all been featured in her Reese's Book Club that are all going to be at the festival this year. And it's it's a really nice spread as far as genre. Yeah. she's. We've got two with local connects. The Secrets We Kept by Laura Prescott, which is uh, historical fiction uh, about kind of uh, how Dr. Zhivago got published and and how that kind of was related to espion- Cold War espionage. Oh, wow. Yeah. You either know that or you don't. <laughs> and I didn't. Um, but uh, she she makes it, I mean, both incredibly compelling, the the personal life um, of of both these uh, spies that that are related in making sure this book is published, and then the writer of Doctor Zhivago and 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 the woman that he had a long standing affair with, who who did incredible work to make sure it actually got seen by anyone. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. This book has a local connection, right? Yes, uh, the writer is a Michener Center uh, fellow. Yeah, and so she she wrote a great deal of it in Austin. Laura Prescott, yes, is that the name? Great. That's the name. Great. Um, so that's you've got your historical fiction, great covered. Um, for contemporary fiction, you've got the Whisper Network by Chandler Baker, another Austin author, and this book. Yeah. We did an interview with her uh, in the Chronicle in July when the book came out because it was making such a huge national splash. Uh, once it got the Reese Witherspoon um, Bump, seal so of approval, <laughs> uh, yeah, it debuted, yeah. I think, in the top 10 in yeah. the New York Times bestseller list. And I mean, it couldn't be more timely. It's it's about um, grappling with a male abuse in the workplace and, and what it and, and how it affects the lives of women in both cover-ups and, and trying to, to bring things from the whispers into the right, light. Right, right. So contemporary fic covered. Memoir, we have From Scratch by Tembi Locke, um, which is uh, about the author's uh, experience falling in love and then um, losing her husband in Italy and, and learning to kind of use food as a... Uh, a source of healing and growth. Oh wow! Um, so it, a tremendously moving book, and uh, yeah, 
to the sets very exciting too. Yeah, completely a, a very magical like sense of location in Italy and and uh, love and and growth. So that's very nice. And then last but certainly not least, um, Jasmine Guillory is here. Um, her book, The Proposal, was a pick for. Reese's Book Club, but she's actually here to promo her more recent book, Royal Holiday. Um, She is a prolific and dearly beloved romance writer. And I'm personally very excited because I've been following her um, since her her first, her debut was The Wedding Date, um, which just skyrocketed to to the top of a lot of romance best of lists. And uh, she's just continued to climb yeah, her second book, The Proposal, was the Reese pick, and uh, she's just continuing to make great strides and making uh, contemporary, diverse romance that's really funny and uh, and always makes me like tear up just because I care about the characters so much. <laughs> and did you have a chance to speak with her? Uh, I saw her at last year's um, festival and actually got to cover her session um, with another great romance writer, Alyssa Cole. This year, uh, Jasmine is going to be doing a session with uh, Casey McQuiston, who's also incredible book. Like has been at the top of my list all of this year, and it's I think... it's like a fictional royal family. Yeah, in England, well, right? actually, uh... their uh, session is called Modern Royalty and Romance. Um, <laughs> yeah, because both of their books deal with fantasy, fantasized versions of the um, the royal family. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just looking over the list, I see uh, a number of other notable um, writers. Among them, uh, one of my favorite comedy personalities, John Hodgman, who uh, has a new book out. And I've read, I think, all of his previous books. And he, people may be most familiar with him during the, the John Stewart era of The Daily Show, where he was the resident deranged billionaire i think it would come on and do these these very funny outrageous sort of uh, op-ed pieces where he's trying to defend the billionaire's point of view and uh he has a session i think that takes place i think it closes the saturday uh, edition of the festival anyone else on the national scene that you have a a good question. Well, currently, I'm reading. Uh, I'm reading two books that are from authors that are going to be at the festival. Um, a y, YA fantasy um, called "We Hunt the Flame" by Hafsa Faisal. That's uh, been pretty exciting. It was a it was a fairly early 2019 release, um, but it but it has stayed in, at top of mind um, in the YA community. And uh, it's it's a really rich uh, fantasy world based on ancient Arabia. Um, so I've been really enjoying that, and I'm also have been enjoying uh, Miracle Creek by Angie Kim, which is a uh, contemporary courtroom th- uh, drama, I guess. Yeah, right. uh, about um, the outcome of a of a horrific accident at a a facility that does this thing called a miracle submarine, which is basically like a, a pressurized system that mm-hmm. delivers oxygen, and it's kind of a cure all. Um, and when there's an expo- explosion, kills two people in this small town, and uh, it's kind of about how that gets addressed and unraveled by this town during in the court. Um, yeah. So we are already seeing that among these 300 authors, we are covering all kinds of genres, literary fiction, thrillers, 
uh, romance, memoir. It's definitely a you name it, you got it at the Texas Book Festival. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll, uh, we'll leave it for there. We'll come back and talk a little bit more about the uh, Texas Book Festival. But first, we'll have a break for some announcements. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Austin Chronicle Show. We're in the studios of Co-op Community Radio, 91.7 FM in Austin, live streaming through coop.org. I'm your guest host, Robert Ferris, arts editor of the Austin Chronicle, and I'm here with writer Rosalind Ferris to talk more about the Texas Book Festival at the Texas State Capitol this weekend. So far, we've focused on authors outside the state, but this is the Texas Book Festival, so uh, it only stands to reason that there should be some authors from inside the state. That uh, seems fair. <laughs> do you uh, do you have any any uh, authors that that come to mind? I I happen to know of a couple that you've <laughs> read and written about for uh, the Austin Chronicle. Yeah, uh, right before I read uh, Mostly Dead Things by Kristen Arnett, I was reading a lot. Stories by Brian Washington. Um, he's a Houston-based author, and it's a collection of stories that all take place in Houston. A really tremendous series of short stories. I'll cop to like not often being the person who reaches for a collection of short stories, but it, it came so highly recommended. I was very excited to kind of see how it it sat on my like more novel um, used to sensibilities, I guess. But right. There is an interweaving story of kind of one family, one um, uh, black Latinx um, mixed family um, in Houston. So you do kind of have a a, a greater um, thread running through the short right. story collection. Right. Uh, but there's also just a great range of of style, which I which I really enjoyed. And, and of course, that's the thing that short stories give you is that you get to see the the writer's range. Mm-hmm. And and there's really beautiful exciting work there's a i think it's the second story in the collection that uh he takes kind of the point of view of this the neighborhood as a almost like a greek chorus describing this affair between two people in the in an apartment complex and so he's writing from this we point of view and it manages to make this very specific story i mean the details that he he gives it are are so rich but he it manages to make it both specific and immediate and mythic. Yeah. Um, yeah. In a in a way that that really tickled and surprised me. Now I dare say uh Houston doesn't seem like a real natural setting for a literary book the way I think people think of LA with uh noir and New York City for just about any kind of story how did uh, how did Houston feel as a character or as a setting uh well I mean I think it helped I mean he's clearly writing from such a, a honestly both a love and a frustration with Houston there's a there's a lot to do with the with the series sort of about. like Kristen Arnett in Florida true right? yeah absolutely yeah there's actually a very nice simpatico between those two books um yeah with, with the sense of the, the push and pull between the location also like also it's worth saying they're they're both have um, very strong veins of queer desire running through them um, with lot, you know, there's, there is a lot of anxiety about uh, gentrification and, you know, specifically it's focusing on black and Latinx families. 
um, and their experiences and yeah, what it means to see, um, you know, white families moving into neighborhoods that they've Mm. never, they've never been in before. And what does it mean to, what kind of class, um, flexibility and growth are, are available to what people yeah. So yeah, it, it's a it's a very complicated love. It feel like that comes out of lot. Um, but man, it makes you feel like you understand the city, or or at least are being invited to understand the city much more than I would say I did. I mean, it's it's always been a city where it's like, oh, you know, there's there's big sports and there's a big <laughs> <laughs> there there are bigger arenas. You know, there's going to be a music artist is going to go there that they won't go to Austin. But uh, this made it feel. It was more. It was specific. It made me feel like I knew neighborhoods specifically, as opposed to the city as a whole. You're you're saying that uh, makes me think of a book that we both read this year, um, a book by a writer named Lisa Sandlin, set in Beaumont, Texas, also southeast, but a little closer to Louisiana, and set in the '70s, which. Uh, I grew up in Beaumont in the mm-hmm. 70s. I never in a million years would have imagined anyone would have thought of it as a setting for any kind of book, much less a crime novel. Uh, but it's it's a very rich book. Uh, Miss Sandlin has created some truly compelling characters. And sort of like what you're talking about with the the feel of mostly dead things, Anybody who spent any time in Beaumont knows about the humidity and the mosquitoes <laughs> and the clothes sticking to your skin. And mm-hmm. and she nails all of that atmosphere, as well as producing a really compelling um, mystery. Yeah. What I what I so appreciate about the Bird Boys was the way it it really created two parallel experiences. One, which is, you know, a genuinely intriguing surprising mystery um actually several that she there's kind of miniature cases that that the two leads uh pursue as well as the main thread um related to the titular bird boys but um but then also she's she's so generous to the two leads delpha and tom um who run the uh right tom is the is the characteristic PI, although he's still very new at the job and doesn't really always know what he's doing. And Delpha is an ex-con. She's just out of women's prison. Mm -hmm. And this is her first job since she's gotten out of jail. I was so struck. I continue to like return to how much, how generous um, Sandlin is towards Delpha and her experience um, coming out of prison and, and what it means for her to open herself back up to the world. Right. Um, yeah. I, it's really su- surprising and, and delightful when, when both of those things work, when both the, the twists and turns work and you want to hold those characters close to you. And, and in the background, interestingly, is, uh, is the Watergate hearings. Yeah. So you are getting a sense of how, the kind of unease that that adds to the national vibe as well as to what these characters are experiencing in 1970s Beaumont. While we're talking about East Texas and crime fiction, I would be remiss if I didn't mention another uh, Texan, native Texan, uh, Attica Locke, who is also writing a crime fiction series. This one's called the Highway 59 series, and it's a little north of Beaumont and Houston, 
but it's that small highway that runs up through threads up from Houston up through East Texas. And she's written a couple of really compelling books. The the newest one is called Heaven My Home. And the hero is uh, an African-American Texas Ranger. And as you might imagine, moving in that environment and through East Texas, there's a lot of racial tension that's at the heart of uh, the book and what these characters are dealing with. And I'm excited that she's going to be at the festival. I had an opportunity to interview her, and that interview is available on at austinchronicle.com. There's a, a local writer I know that you've also written about. Um, although she lives in Austin, her book is not set in Austin. No, it isn't. <laughs> There's no no more of this sweat and uh, and humidity in Bolaway. Um, this is Elizabeth McCracken, who is a very well-regarded and uh, award-winning author who lives in Austin. Yeah. So so this new book, um, you you are are not uh, are not wrong to guess from the title that it is about bowling. In fact, um, candle pin bowling, which as a Texan, I had no idea what that was and did have to Google. Um, but it, it's a very specific type of bowling where it's a smaller pin that looks is shaped like a candle as opposed to our more voluptuous, mm. um, typical bowling pins. Uh, and it's, it, it's a, a, a hugely expansive, um, multi-generational, uh, historical fiction novel, so enchanting and it's it's definitely one of those like you curl up inside the book Mm. it's all real world but but she her turns of phrase managed to feel almost magical i like i'm trying to think what what a good comparison is like maybe tim burton is too much but like in that like everything's turned up to Mm. Mm 10.5 the world that that these characters live in and it's beautiful and again by by making it so specific it it becomes about this woman who kind of appears out of nowhere in this small New England town and and starts a a candle pin bowling alley which attracts um, female bowlers for the first time it's it's turn of the century and Mm. And it kind of is about you know her life, and then and then eventually her children's lives in this town. Um, but yeah, the the specificity also doubles on doubles upon itself to make it feel huge. Mm. Um, yeah, that's great. Well, bringing it back to the state uh, again, we're seeing so many different kinds of books here. Uh, we haven't spoken much about nonfiction, and I want to throw in. Uh, a little uh, nod toward local writer Stephen Harrigan, who was approached by the University of Texas Press to write a new history of Texas. I can't imagine a more daunting commission for a writer, but uh, Stephen Harrigan is nothing if not familiar with the state, worked for Texas Monthly for a number of years, uh, wrote a great Alamo, maybe the great Alamo novel, Gates of the Alamo, and he has tackled this job and produced a book called Big Wonderful Thing that is almost as big as Texas. It, it weighs in at close to 900 pages. It's I a think. gorgeous brick. It's a... <laughs> And uh, I have been reading it, and it's just the most captivating history I can imagine, starting way back 
um, with the very first settlers in the area and going through the Spanish visitors, anything that we have recorded history of. And uh, it's just amazing. He's giving, I think, points of view that you don't often find in histories of Texas. And uh, it's, it's sort of thrilling. Also, we can't ignore Texas music, and two very important biographies have come out uh, this year, one about Stevie Ray Vaughan uh, and another about uh, Janis Joplin, her life in music, uh, both with such deep, deep ties to Austin and whose if you don't know much about them, I think these are probably two books that will tell you a lot and about why they're so important, mm-hmm. why Stevie Ray has a statue on the uh, shores of Lady Bird Lake. So there's, with 300 authors, there are way too many for us to be able to do within the confines of the Austin Chronicles show, so we're going to have to leave it there, but... Uh, it's all out there at the Texas State Capitol. Uh, there's information you can look at on austinchronicle.com. Thanks to my guest, Rosalind Ferris. Thanks to our engineer, Bob Daly. And thanks to Kevin Curtin and Jonas Wilson for writing our theme music. Thanks for listening this week.